0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to continue our candidate series today. We're going to be talking to a Senate candidate that's running for the U.S. Senate. But before we do, we want to talk to you about the Ohio Christian Alliance Annual Freedom Banquet, and this year we're celebrating 30 years of public service to the people of faith in the state of Ohio, and we're looking forward to a great time together. This Friday night, 6 p.m. is the reception, 7 o'clock is the dinner. You can register at our website at ohioca.org. Uh, tickets are just seventy five dollars, and we still have some reg- reservations open we'd love for you to join us. Bill Feder of the American Minute will be our keynote speaker, also going to have Melly Miller, who will be leading us in patriotic music our m c for the evening is salem's Bob Burney from uh, columbus he'll be our m c for the evening in fact bob's going to be doing his radio program live from the hotel he's going to be interviewing some of our guests that day of uh, uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose will also be with us. I don't know if many Ohioans know he still is serving as a reservist in the U.S. Army, and he was called away just for the last couple of weeks uh, in, back into service into the reserves. And so he is certainly um, still serving our country in many ways. But he'll be talking about the redistrict draw that's going on right now as Ohio, we, uh, the census has concluded we are losing one congressional seat. Uh for those of us who've been around for a while, we've lost eight congressional seats since nine uh since 40 in the last 40 years, since 1980, we have lost eight congressional seats. So well, Ohio's lost some population uh or the other states have picked that, picked it up. And if we look at Florida, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Texas, uh they're picking up congressional seats, but even New York and California this go around are losing congressional seats, but we only lose one this time. And so I guess we can be thankful for that. We'll have 15 congressional seats. And then, of course, the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, those redraw of those lines are taking place. We talked about that a few weeks ago with Brian Williams on this program. We'll be having the Secretary of State join us in the next couple weeks to discuss uh, what will the final maps look like for the redistrict draw of Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and Congress. Well, as we uh, look to 2022, we have a U.S. Senate race that's coming. Uh, Senator Portman has retired from office. He will not run for reelection, So that has left the seat open. And there have been a number of Republicans that have announced their intention to run. With me on the phone is one of them. Uh, She is the only lady in the race that I'm aware of, and that is Jane Timpkin, the former Ohio Republican Party chairwoman. She stepped down from that role to run for the U.S. Senate and she brings her expertise of uh, running campaigns, working with campaigns, into this, her own campaign, to run for U.S. Senate. Jane, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you.
1: Well, I've been following you on Facebook, and I see that you're out there meeting with lots of Ohioans. Of course, when you were uh, the party chairwoman, you didn't sit behind a desk. I've often told people that you were out there, meeting with people across the state, actually working with candidates, going door-to-door. I actually don't remember other party chairmen actually doing that, but you actually did lit drops and door-to-door, and you worked with candidates, and so you were a very hands-on kind of uh, chairwoman when you uh, served us as Ohio Republican Party chairwoman. And so uh, what's it like now as you're out there as a candidate talking to Ohioans, especially after the 2020 election, which I'm sure there's a lot on their minds right now. What are you hearing from the folks?
2: Well, great, Chris. Uh, We're having a great time on this campaign. As you know, I am the America First candidate, the grassroots candidate. I've been in the trenches fighting for our America First agenda for the last five years. I'm the only candidate in this race that's actually been endorsed by President Trump to be the chair of the Ohio Republican Party. He supported me to take on John Kasich's hand chair. And as you know, Chris, I'm not the kind of person that easily sits on the sidelines. I've been in that fight for our freedoms and our values since a, a long time ago. And now I'm taking that fight to the U.S. Senate. I'm out every day talking to Ohio voters. And we're the only team that actually has a ground game. I have hundreds of great volunteers and hundreds of interns out knocking doors and making phone calls, talking to the Ohio voters. We've surpassed 400,000 voter contacts and we're just getting started. You know, as I said, way you win these races is you, you talk to the Ohio voters, and my message is resonating, and that's the message of America first. And let me tell you, what I'm hearing from Ohio voters is they are up in arms about the disastrous policies of Joe Biden and the Democrats. And I've seen so many people fired up about what's happening to our country. We need to take our country back. That's why I'm in this fight.
1: Well, that's right. We have seen uh, the progressive left, Uh, Joe Biden. uh, They used him as a front man to be as a centrist uh, candidate. But anything's further from the truth. Uh, The radical left has taken control of the Biden administration. In fact, the president himself, many people wonder how much every day he's actually in control. And it's the people behind the curtain, as it were, who are actually controlling the agenda And that's got a lot of people concerned, and we can get to that a little later in the program about that. But, you know, this most recent announcement that the president made or, you know, the administration concerning vaccines has caused great alarm and consternation among many people. In fact, we had on this program, uh, we had uh, a discussion about religious exemption for vaccines. COVID-19 vaccines, because people have some concerns about the vaccines. It's not for everybody. We don't object to people obviously taking it. We don't, we're not anti-vaxxers, but we're saying there are people for health and conscience and religious conscience of why they are not taking the vaccine. But uh, let's hear a couple of the clips what the president said last week. Let's go to clip one.
3: Tonight, I'm asking each of you to reach out to your unvaccinated patients over the next two weeks and make a personal appeal to them to get the shot. America needs your personal involvement in this critical effort. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine has FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. we have been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us.
1: You know, Jane, uh, those words by the President uh, just sent chills down the spine of a lot of people who heard that, the President saying, our, our patience is running thin. Let's go to the second clip before you comment. I want to hear this next one that he makes additional statements in the same speech last week. Let's go to clip two.
3: We have the tools to combat the virus. If we can come together as a country and use those tools, if we raise our vaccination rate, protect ourselves and others with masking, expanded testing and identify people who are infected, we can and we will turn the tide on COVID-19. It'll take a lot of hard work. It's going to take some time. Many of us are frustrated with the nearly 80 million Americans who are still not vaccinated, even though the vaccine is safe, effective and free.
1: Well, Jane, again, there's another statement frustrated with the 80 million Americans that are unvaccinated, dividing the people up between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Now, look, you know, we have said from the beginning that, you know, the vaccine was available for those who wanted to get the vaccine, those who had pre existing conditions or felt compromised or felt safe to take the experimental vaccine. And they did. There were others, however, either for health reasons, as it's still an experimental drug. And regardless of what he says about the FDA approval, that was only with Pfizer, one of the vaccines. It's not even the one that's uh, distributed in this country currently. It's a a propaganda piece. I'm sorry, we have to call it out for what it is. It's not been fully approved. Even Pfizer has backed off, or the FDA is saying, there's benchmarks with this approval over the next few years, and yet there's findings, scientific findings, medical findings, that there are problems and complications with the vaccine. So, again, not for everybody. And there are people with good health reasons why they're not taking the vaccine. That's their own personal choice. The other people... For religious conscience. And so, again, we were working with Matt Staver of Liberty Council on religious exemptions because this, this uh, they're almost like the vaccine mandate Nazis. I'm sorry, I don't know how, what else to call them, Jane. I mean, this is it's threatening people's jobs, threatening their livelihoods, uh, you know, threatening their access to uh, the general public. I mean, I've never seen this before in my country. I'm 63 years old. I've never seen this kind of, uh, I'm going to just call it tyranny. So you're running for U.S. Senate. I'm going to ask all the candidates about this because this is, this is one we were hoping would be put behind us. We wouldn't be dealing with this. We thought so. We were all hoping that the vaccine would work. The fact is there's plenty of breakthrough cases with the vaccine. So, you know, COVID-19 may end up being put behind us by herd immunity in the end. But right now it looks as if there's going to be political football to be played yet. So your thoughts about the, the uh, president's statements and overbreach last week?
2: Oh, it was a stunning overreach and a stunning abuse of power, an unconstitutional, illegal mandate, in my opinion. And when Joe Biden makes comments about his patience is running thin with the American people, why is his patience not running thin with the, the Taliban? Why is his patience not running thin at what's going on at the southern border? Why is his patience not running thin with the rising crime and inflation? These are all the issues the American people care about. He is abusing his power, and uh, you're absolutely right, Chris. This is a matter of equal protection under the law. The Biden administration is uh, putting people into different boxes based on whether they're vaccinated or not. This is unconstitutional. It's absolutely wrong. I We need to have c- people in the United States Senate who are going to stand up and introduce legislation to stop the Biden presidency from this edict. He is not a king. He's You know, he has no power to do this. And we as the United States citizens should be standing up for our freedoms and our liberties. That's what this is about. I'm that America first candidate. And to me, our God given constitutional rights are paramount and they are above Joe Biden's ridiculous abuse of power.
1: You know, we saw a map that was released almost the next day uh, after this speech where it showed the states that were beginning to make statements that they intended to file suit against the federal government of these forced mandates on vaccine mandates on companies, on healthcare systems, uh, on individuals, and for employers. Uh, And so state after state, we were looking as to when Ohio would join. And by 1230, the next day, we did get a a statement by the governor and by the attorney general, Dave Yost, that they intended to file suit against the unconstitutional mandates from the federal government in regard to the COVID-19 vaccines. Again, still experimental. Only one's been partially approved by the FDA. And then there's, there's high drama here, Jane. I mean, two officials of the FDA right after that approval, which many believe that they were pressured by the administration to give an approval, uh, two top FDA officials resigned that very week. And then when the administration was pushing for boosters, uh, in fact, I think the president originally said that by September the 20th, we'd start rolling out a booster shot. They started to slow walk that and saying, well, wait, not so fast. Just before the Labor Day holiday the FDA and the CDC both stated uh, for the, the administration to basically cool their jets on this whole thing about the booster because they don't know what the booster is going to do. So again, we're in unknown, charted waters here. We were all hoping we could get past this, and eventually we will, and the curve will go down. And you know, as people were, and people are getting sick with COVID, we know that right now. I have friends that are sick with COVID, and they're getting over it and there are people being hospitalized with it. But it's not just the unvaccinated. The truth is, and we've we got people in context all across the state. The one thing, when you're a grassroots public policy organization and or you're a political candidate, you get to talk to a lot of people. And so you, you can do your own findings just by talking to people who are in, in even in the medical profession. And so we know who's in the hospitals for the most part. We know uh, what people are going through, and there are people that have been vaccinated that are getting covid and then again, hopefully and prayerfully, we can get through this. But we need to have an adult conversation. We don't need the heavy hand of government like an iron fist coming down and saying, you will take this or else. I mean, that's not who we are as an American republic. And again, I'm not an anti-vax guy. I've gotten all my vaccines as a kid. And I even got a booster a few years ago, a tetanus booster, when I had a leg injury up there on vacation in New England. So not opposed to vaccines. The The problem is this one's experimental. It's, it, it's it unknown territory, and there's plenty of complications. And you don't need findings on the Internet for that. You just talk and sample your family members who are willing to talk about it and say, you, know, you know, I did have some residual effects after the vaccine, you know. And so and we know COVID's real. My whole immediate family got COVID. And it was serious, you know. It's like, thankfully, nobody was hospitalized, but, you know, it will throw you for a loop. And it's, it's a serious disease. And we know people that have died from COVID. My mother died of COVID nursing home patient, last December. So it's all very real. We're all going through it together, but it's unfortunate we can't have an adult conversation over this thing, and it's been politicized to no end. Your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, you know, Chris, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry about the loss of your mom. That's um, a tough one. And, look, I'm I I've vaccinated, but this is a choice that I made in consultation with my doctor. And you're absolutely right. This is, you know, we talked about people who object to getting the vaccine for religious reasons, for other personal health reasons. This is fundamentally about people's liberty and freedom. And uh, this is so paramount to our country. It is the foundation of the United States of America to have our personal liberties and freedoms. And we need someone in the United States Senate who understands that and who will fight for our liberties and freedoms. And as you know, I've been in the trenches fighting for our liberty and freedom. And Joe Biden and the Democrats are abusing their power. We see it daily. And this is yet another example of the abuse of power. You see it when they don't like the uh, the decision by the Supreme Court on the uh, the Texas case most recently, what do they do? They decide they want to push again to pack the Supreme Court. These are attacks on our religious liberty and our freedoms. And we need people who are going to stand up and push back. Uh, I hear from people all across Ohio, they're very concerned and alarmed by what you call the heavy hand of Joe Biden. And as I said, he's not a king. He's accountable to the people. And, you know, the Democrats they're continuing to grab for more and more power and abuse our liberties. Uh, if if people want to get vaccinated, they should do so within consultation with their doctor, but it should not be mandated by the federal government.
1: There's information that is coming out. Uh, Woodward has written a book, and he reveals in that book that uh, General Miley uh, actually had conversations behind the scenes with his Chinese counterpart during the Trump administration. Now, again, this is yet to be totally verified, but it looks as if it is actually true. There are many that are calling for General Miley, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's the top general. Uh, And that's, you know, some are calling it treasonous activity and, at a minimum, needing to be court-martialed. This is breaking news. We know in the last 24 hours your thoughts on that. You were a big supporter of President Trump. And the man seemed to be undermined everywhere he went. And then now to see that even in his own military was uh, attempting to uh, basically en route the president, President Trump we're speaking of. What's your thoughts on that?
2: Well, if these reports are true, um, you know, uh, General Milley uh, uh, should uh, be removed from his command and court-martialed, as you say. Uh, we have civilian control of our military in this country, and uh, President Trump uh, was the commander-in-chief uh, this is, again, uh, you know, where the Democrats, because they think they know best, and General Milley probably thought, well, he's not accountable to the commander-in-chief, can make his own decisions. Uh, if, these, if these investigations are, prove true uh, and that he should be fully investigated by Congress, I would be fully supportive of that. He needs to go if this is, in fact, true.
1: Uh, You referenced the southern border a little earlier in the program, and this has been a great cause of concern during the uh, Biden administration as the southern border just seems to be wide open, uh, and the the numbers are coming in from just last month alone, and there's been just unbelievable amounts of illegals pouring over the border. Your thoughts on the uh, border crisis that's uh, been exacerbated by the Biden administration's policies?
2: Sure. Well, Chris, we just got new numbers for the month of August, uh, 208,000 illegal immigrants uh, crossing the southern border for the month of August. That's uh, about the size of Dayton and Canton combined. Wow. Uh, this is a major crisis that Joe Biden, of his creation, President Trump had it absolutely right. We needed to secure the border uh, because it's about our sovereignty, but most importantly, it's about drugs and human trafficking, uh, that it They are both coming across our southern border and affecting our communities right here in Ohio. We had record overdoses in Ohio last year. It's not being talked about enough. This is, again, the feckless policies of Joe Biden. Uh, They uh, are continuing to... have no real plan at the southern border and ignore what's happening Uh, at the peril of uh, Americans and with what's happened in Afghanistan, where we now have a hotbed of terrorism, we now have a porous open border, leaving our country less safe. We need someone who's going to stand up and push back against these disastrous policies, the Democrats. It is enough. The American people have had enough. It's only been nine months, but it is enough. We need to take our country back. We need to take the Senate back. We need people like me who are going to stand up and fight for our country.
1: We are talking with Jane Kimkin. She is a candidate for the U.S. Senate, which will become official when the papers are filed in January. And this is the U.S. Senate race of 2022, which is coming very quickly. Uh, And, Jane, uh, how can folks uh, follow you in your campaign? I'm looking at your website. Is that jaintimkinforohio.com?
2: That's right, jaintimkinforohio.com. Join the campaign. We are the grassroots America first uh, uh, candidacy. We're in this fight for Ohio, to put Ohio first and America first. As I said, I've been the one that uh, knows Ohio's families and our values, and I'm going to take that fight to the U.S. Senate. And, Chris, I just wanted to add one other thing. I just wrote an op-ed about my alma mater, Harvard. Uh, They uh, elected their lead chaplain as an avowed atheist. This is an example of the woke agenda gone Amok. This is an institution that was founded by Puritans to educate uh, the, the religious education of their ministers. And now the fact that they have a lead chaplain, chaplain, not, you know, that is the word that they are using. They appointed an atheist.
1: I saw and, that.
2: It is unbelievable what's happening to our country. This is another example uh, on our attack on our religious freedoms. We need to be able to worship as we please. And when we have institutions like my alma mater, Harvard, uh, you know, bowing to wokeism and appointing an atheist as their chaplain, the world has gone mad. And we need people who are going to stand up for our religious freedoms.
1: Absolutely, well said. Thank you, Jane, for being with us today. And we'll have you back again as the campaign gets closer. And if you want to be following Jane Timken for Ohio.com, that's the website. You can sign up for email alerts from the campaign as well. We encourage you to do that with all the candidates. And there'll be candidate forums upcoming where you'll be able to hear all the candidates that are running for office. Jane, again, God bless you and thank you for joining us today.
2: God bless you, Chris. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And again, just stay tuned. We're going to be hearing from Bill Federer, who will be our up next. And Bill is our keynote speaker at the OCA Freedom Banquet this Friday. You can still register at OhioCA.org. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages.
4: The Ohio Christian Alliance is celebrating 30 years of public service, representing Christian interests before the Ohio legislature and in Washington, D.C., with policy that defends life, faith, and religious freedom in the public square. This year's Freedom Banquet will be held on Constitution Day, Friday, September 17th, with special guest Bill Federer of the American Minute. Former Mrs. Ohio Melody Miller will be leading patriotic songs and other special guests. Go to OhioCA.org. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion,
1: The following is a previously aired broadcast.
0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, on today's program, we're going to take a few minutes to reflect on 9 11 20 years ago as this year we observed the 20th anniversary of 9 11. Most of us can remember where we were on that fateful day in September with clear blue skies. Terror came out of the skies and hit the Twin Towers in New York. Also, of course, Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon, and then the plane that went down in Pennsylvania. I remember that day very clearly as I was doing some courier work. I was spending time in my vehicle, and it was a job I was doing to kind of support the family at the time. My wife was in nursing school, and we were in between ministry, and I remember listening to the radio and the interruption of the announcement of what had happened as it was happening in real time, and Maybe it was because it was radio, and you could imagine in your mind exactly what was happening. It was very, um, obviously, a very poignant moment in our nation's history. It was a very fearful time, not knowing exactly how many planes had terrorists on them and what what was next. But it it ushered in the, of course, war on terror. Most of us, of course, remember the terrible loss of life that day in the Twin Towers, how helpless we felt. As those people that were trapped on the upper levels of the Twin Towers could not be evacuated. The, we remember the firemen and service personnel and police and first uh, responders who ran into the towers when everyone else was running out. We saw courage that day and freedom was on display of those who would fight for liberty. Those were the first acts in a war that would be the war on terror. Many of us, of course, all our family members go off to war, both in the Middle East and in Afghanistan, and praying for their safety to return home. Some of us were given flags instead of our loved ones coming back. And for those gold star families who made the ultimate sacrifice with their loved one falling on the, ba- the, the battlefields in the Middle East and in Afghanistan, we, our prayers are with you. And we remember. We remember this weekend, as again we observe, that terrible loss of life on that day. And, of course, as President Bush said at the time, that we would act as a nation in response to those who attacked us on that day. Well, it's been 20 years, and of course we just saw the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. Closing on a chapter, but it's not really closed. It actually is a time of grief, as we see the the terrible loss of life of the Taliban, the the terrorist organizations that take over a nation in which we have been uh, a guest for 20 years and trying to help the Afghan people to uh, have their own nation, to have their own uh, form of government. And unfortunately, it's a region of the world that uh, there are those who do not want a stable Afghanistan. We think about the border nations around Afghanistan, of Pakistan and Iran. They actually uh, benefit from an unstable Afghanistan. As one analyst put it, uh, Pakistan would not tolerate a stable Afghanistan that was friendly to India, their chief rival. So lots of stakes are at play as we saw the U.S. troops leave, but in a time of chaos because of lack of leadership, proper leadership, in Washington and the misjudgment of the Biden administration, we did see a terrible loss of life as U.S. troops finally withdrew and closed a chapter of their time and service in Afghanistan. We pray for all the service personnel that have served us over the years, and we pray for them and their families and want them to know that a grateful nation is thankful to them. They accomplished their mission. It's the politicians in Washington, once again, that let us down. Well, as a people, we need to go forward. We need to pray. We need, what we need in this country is a return to God. On those days, in 9-11, 20 years ago, the churches filled up for a short time. People began seeking God. But not long after, the churches began to empty once again. What we need in this country right now is an awakening, not just a revival, but a, an awakening of God We, in each heart that people would turn and repent of their sins and turn on to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is waiting for a people that will humble themselves and pray, and that's what we ask you to do this weekend as we reflect upon 9-11, the sacrifices that were made, the children that lost their parents that day. They are now adults, and as a nation, do we not sit in bewilderment of what we might do, but let us turn to the Lord and seek Him in this hour. He's the one that has the answers. Man never has the answers. Well, next Friday, we're going to celebrate 30 years of serving the people of faith in Ohio at the Ohio Christian Alliance at our annual Freedom Banquet at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. You can register for this event at our website at ohioca.org. And just at the top, you can find out all the information. Bill Feder of the American Minute, who's my guest today, who'll come on in just a minute, uh, he's going to be our keynote speaker. Also, Melanie Miller, former Miss Ohio, will be leading us in patriotic songs. Bob Bernie of WRFD Salem in Columbus will be our uh, uh, MC for the day, and he'll actually be doing his daily program live from the hotel at the Hilton in Akron, and then right up into the time of our six o'clock reception seven o'clock dinner. And we'll have some political guests as well. Max Miller, who served in the Trump White House as a Northeast Ohio resident. And uh, he has some stories to tell as he led the advanced teams for the president as he went to North, North Korea, Iraq, and Israel. And this young man has quite a story to tell as serving as a senior advisor to President Trump. All those guests will be with us next Friday. You don't want to miss it. The Ohio Christian Alliance celebrating 30 years of public service at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton for our annual Freedom Banquet and again you can register for it at ohioca.org. Well with me on the phone is our good friend Bill Feder of the American Minute and of course Bill is a a uh, historian and an author of many books and uh, of course uh, we're going to talk here about the terrorist threat that continues and of course Christians have been at the receiving end of many of these terrorist acts because they are uh, based in Islam, radical Islam, and so that's not going away, and unfortunately, we're going to continue to deal with it.
4: The Ohio Christian Alliance is celebrating 30 years of public service, representing Christian interests before the Ohio legislature and in Washington, D.C., with policy that defends life, faith, and religious freedom in the public square. This year's Freedom Banquet will be held on Constitution Day, Friday, September 17th, with special guest Bill Federer of the American Minute. Former Mrs. Ohio Melody Miller will be leading patriotic songs and other special guests. Go to OhioCA.org. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion,
5: This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org.
1: And here with us on the phone to talk more about it is Bill Fetter. Bill, welcome.
6: Chris, great to be with you.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. Well, in your American Minute today, you talk about uh, terrorism. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you wrote in American Minute today.
6: Well, it is a overview of the West arming the Islamists and goes back even to when Sultan Mammoth II was laying siege to Constantinople. Uh, there were Venetian uh, arms dealers that were selling cannons to the Turks to be used against the Christian defenders of Constantinople. And then you go to 1525 where the king of France decided that he would help arm and train the Ottoman Turkish Muslims against Spain, right? France's enemy was Spain and so and then you have the the English making treaties with the Persians uh, against the Ottomans from the other side. And then we get up to uh, the Crimea War, 1853, and the French and the English are arming and modernizing and giving arms to the, uh, the Turkish Muslims to fight Russia during their Crimean War. Now, that had an impact in America. you think Crimea had an impact? Yeah, because the Russians lost, and the Russians thought, that the French and the English might take their colony called Alaska. And so they quickly sold Alaska to America to keep it from going into the British hands. And, uh, but then you come up to 1898, and you have Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. He's industrializing and with steel and with rifles and cannons, but he needs oil. And so he does uh, an arms deal with Sultan Abdul Hamid II of Turkey, saying, I'll give you advanced German weaponry and rifles in exchange for access to the Ottoman oil that was being discovered in Baghdad and Kirkuk. And then the British, they have no oil fields. And Winston Churchill changed the British Navy from coal to oil. But there's no oil in Britain, so they made the Anglo-Iranian oil Company. In, two, in 1908, 1908. And you know the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. It changed its name in 1954 to BP, British Petroleum. Oh, my. <laughs> and so half half the World War I was fought in the Middle East between the Turks on one side and the Persians on the other side and with arms given to them by the Germans and the English. Right? So here we have Western powers having a tradition of arming terrorist groups. And um, at, then we come up to after World War One. the Middle East is, the map is divided up. And of course, Israel is created in new countries called Jordan and Iraq and Syria and Lebanon gets their independence and in Egypt. Uh, Turkey rallies, and they get a leader named Ataturk who wants to have a secular, modern Turkish republic. And he gets rid of the Fezzes and the Burqa's in the Arabic language, and he's the one that first one to teach women, have women in school, and uh, so th- there's a movement of wanting to modernize. You have Gamal Nasser in Egypt, and he's wanting to get away from all the fundamentalist Muslim stuff, and he's dressing dressing in Western clothes. And you look at pictures of Cairo in the 1960s, and they look like Southern California and the Beach Boys and suits, and and then you have Syria; they want to get away from the fundamentalists. They have beauty pageants. You even look at pictures of Kabul, Afghanistan, and there's all these girls dressed in their skirts and their sweaters. And yeah, they're, they're I in saw those, I saw those pictures.
1: Yeah, that's right.
6: And um, uh, and then we have the uh, World War II. And afterwards, and, and Hitler armed the Muslims. Uh, the Mufti of Jerusalem uh, gets armed by Hitler, and he Recruits an Arab legion. And these are fierce fighters that were even there in Berlin surrounding Hitler's bunker when the war ended there. And the Mufti of Jerusalem raised an entire Bosnian Muslim panzer division to fight with the Nazis. And so here you have again the Nazis working together with these fundamentals Muslims, arming them, giving them the latest equipment, and so forth. Uh, After World War II, Iran is independent, but now it's a, it's going to side with the Soviet Union, and it nationalizes the oil industry, or BP, and, and takes it away from Britain. So Britain has an oil shortage, and they appeal to Eisenhower for help. And Eisenhower approves the first CIA operation to overthrow a country's leader, it's Operation AJAX. So our CIA, the, the CIA operative on the ground is Kermit Roosevelt, Jr., and he goes to Tehran, and he organizes radical groups. Uh, and they stage protests and riots, and they attack mosques, and when the country gets panicky enough, they blame Mazadek, the leader, for all the problems. Well, they go in and put him under house arrest, lock him away for the rest of his life where he dies, and they replaced him with a Shah, who loved America. Because we put him in, and he did have a rightful claim to the throne. And so here we have uh, us being involved in arming uh, radical terrorist groups over there, And then we get up to the Soviet-Afghan War in 1979. And we have, by the way, Jimmy Carter abandoned the Shah. So the Shah of Iran was friends with Eisenhower, with Truman, with, you know, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson. I mean, all the way up until Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter abandoned the Shah, withdrew the American support overnight. And people are jumping on airplanes trying to get out of Tehran. And the Ayatollah takes over. And to so lo and behold, we left hostages. And they were kept hostage for 444 days until Ronald Reagan came in. And Ronald Reagan pressures them to release the hostages. Uh, but it was this immediate shift from a pro—Iran was more pro-American than Israel. And it just overnight shifted with Jimmy Carter and his national security advisors, Zbigniew Brzezinski, and his John D. Rockefeller, you know, uh, David Rockefeller, um, his control on Foreign Relations. Lo and behold, the globalists have a plan where they want to surrender the entire Middle East to make it a caliphate, an Islamic bloc, and to isolate Israel. And uh, so then we see the uh, Iran-Iraq war from 1980 to 1988. Millions died. And Reagan certainly doesn't want Iran to win. And so he supports and backs and arms Saddam Hussein. And for all practical purposes, Saddam Hussein was more of a secular Muslim. Um, but here was America arming Saddam Hussein against Iran and the Ayatollah. And when the Iran-Iraq war starts to wind down, we have the Iran Contra. What's that? That's where we get back to arming or selling arms to Iran and then using the money to buy arms to fight the communists who are wanting to take over Latin America. And then we have the Soviet-Afghan war. And the United States has the CIA does the largest covert operation in history of arming the Taliban with the most modern weapons and missiles that can shoot down airplanes. And it was, it was so so significant that a movie was made of it called Charlie Wilson's war because it was Congressman Charlie Wilson that pushed us to get involved. And, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts did a movie called Charlie Wilson's War. Matter of fact, uh, um, Sylvester Stallone did a movie about it. It's called Rambo 3, where the CIA is arming the Taliban. And uh, it was the most expensive movie made to that date, 1988, Rambo 3. And um, so then you have uh, the uh, situation where uh, there's Bill Clinton as president, and he uh, is having a sexual scandal with Monica Lewinsky, and we get into a a Bosnian-Serbian war. Sort of interesting, a movie was released with Dustin Hoffman called Wag the Dog, and it's about a president running for re-election who's having a sexual scandal, and he hires a movie producer that says, "We, we need you to get into a war. And Dustin Hoffman's the producer, and he like, hey, pictures, and he, you know, has war things, and he, you know, but this war is, takes place in Albania, nobody knows where Albania is, it just so happens Albania borders Bosnia, and uh, and this war takes the public's attention away from the sexual scandal. Uh, it's an interesting movie, but, uh, so Bill Clinton, when it's called Operation Deliberate Force, he has U.S. arms go to Islamic terrorists and to Iran to be funneled to the Bosnian Muslims in uh, Serbia to, uh, to fight the, the Serbian Christians. And, uh, and then we have Obama. And uh, Obama uh, goes to Egypt. He disinvites Mubarak, our moderate Uh, ally in Egypt, and he helps start promoting the Muslim Brotherhood. And then we have Benghazi. So Hillary Clinton's the Secretary of State. And turns out that we were sending arms to Benghazi covertly. And some of them, some Stinger missiles, which are shoulder-fired missiles, had found their way to Afghanistan and were used to shoot down an American plane, a C-130. And one of the missiles didn't explode and they saw it and they saw the serial numbers on it and the serial numbers directly go back to the inventory that Hillary Clinton had that she was funneling to Benghazi. And so it's almost like she wanted Benghazi to happen to get rid of anybody that could have the dirt on what she did. Who knows? But um, nevertheless, uh, Fox News, all these different you know generals, Rand Paul were saying we were funneling weapons it was a cia operation through benghazi to funnel weapons to syria to get rid of assad who was a moderate muslim assad was so moderate that um he fundamentalist muslims don't even consider him muslim and um that he was protecting all the different groups even the, the different minority groups which makes no sense that he would want to gas some of them and um but anyway um when the uh when the U.S. arms, there's even a Los Angeles Times article. I took a screenshot of it. It says, Syrian rebel terrorists armed by the CIA fight Syrian rebel terrorists armed by the Pentagon. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're like sending guns over there. And it, it was so obvious that Tulsi Gabbard in 2016 introduces a bill, stop arming terrorist bill. And uh, and of course, John McGain Goes well. We can funnel money to this this good group. They're they're good terrorists. It's like um, then uh, we see, and this is the same time that we have Eric Holder funneling guns to terrorist drug gangs in Mexico. The Fast and Furious. He's had, he's in contempt of Congress because he refused to answer Congress's questions on our U.S. government giving guns to these terrorist drug gangs. Yes, and um, and then we. Have uh, the uh, Trump gets in, and Trump puts all of this on hold. And there's even a Times News article with the headlines: "Trump ends Obama covert covert plan to you know arm these these rebel groups um, there in the in Syria." And so now we begin to get to some normalcy and we're beginning to establish peace, and then Trump was planning this withdrawal. And then Biden uh, has uh, this sudden withdrawal of troops and the giving of $85 billion worth of weapons to the Taliban. And they go from controlling a teeny little area in the northeast part of Afghanistan to controlling all of Afghanistan. And it defies logic that America, with the most advanced, military, the most advanced intelligence could be caught by surprise, and that the the Taliban special forces, they're nicknamed Badra 313 because it was Muhammad's battle at Badra that he with a small group uh, defeated a thousand Meccans, and um, that these this Taliban special forces were trained by our CIA, and they're allowed to come in and take over, mm-hmm. and it, it ran Paul back when Hillary was having her situation with Benghazi. He said this is either incompetence or it's intentional. But it appears there was a CIA arms deal going on, and so we have to face it: either this is an immense amount of incompetence on the behalf of, of Biden, or it was an intentional return to the Obama-Biden era policies of arming Islamists and isolating israel and you have to remember obama and biden had staff who were think people like valerie jarrett anita dunn susan rice well guess who's involved in the biden administration a lot of those same names yes so basically it could be that the party that obama had a couple weeks is unprecedented that a past president would stay involved in politics in washington dc with the people that were in his administration and then having an influence in the Biden administration, uh, it could be that this what we witnessed was simply a return to the Obama-era foreign policies of supporting Islamists and isolating Israel, and it's just blamed on Biden's incompetence. And if, if it ever sticks on Biden, they can just do what they did with Andrew Cuomo, right? He was their champion pushing their agenda, and then when they began doing polling, thinking a cuomo democrat against a republican the republican would
1: win they go well we need to just that, get rid of him replace that, him with a girl well that's right bill and we've run out of time and we're looking forward to having you with us next friday my friend great thoughts if you missed any of today's program you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org and again it's time to pray for america because we are in a world of challenge and hurt right now we need to really pray thanks for listening